Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and you are listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by Patricia Rossi, CEO of the Wellness Connection of Maine, which operates four locations and has more than 11,000 patients in the state. How are you doing this afternoon? I am doing great uh, here in Maine today. Um, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted. We're practically neighbors. You know, I'm, I'm in uh, Burlington, Vermont. Uh, so I, I talk to a lot of Mainers, uh, you know, on, on a pretty regular basis. They come down here for the hemp festival. And, and so it's, it's really great uh, to have one of my neighbors on the show. So uh, before we get into what you guys do over there at the Wellness Connection of Maine, I, I want to know about you. You know, how did you end up in the cannabis space? Uh, that was sheer luck, um, you know, by, uh, by trade and training, I'm a marketing executive. Um, you know, I'm originally from France and I live in now for 18 years, I relocated from Paris, France to Portland, Maine. And, um, so that was, uh, that was a big jump. Um, I've been doing, uh, you know, all my experience past career in advertising agencies and also building um, advertising agencies. And back in 2011, um, when really cannabis was not as sexy a topic as it is currently, um, a company by the name of Wellness Connection of Maine was desperately uh, recruiting for their board of directors. One thing leading to another, I joined the board and really fell in love with the mission and the idea of becoming an actor for change in society and to provide improved quality of life for people that needed it. So one thing leading to another, uh, started you know doing the, the marketing, then became the COO, and uh, now I am the CEO. So all things considered, I've been with wellness for the last six years. So how did you leverage your previous experience in marketing, communications, and branding uh, into, you know, this new role, this new industry? Well, I think it's, you know, applying the basics and the fundamentals uh, of uh, marketing, you know, know your consumer, understand what they're seeking, um, their barrier to entries, their insights. Uh, you know, our, our industry, even though now it's a topic that is much more mainstream, and um, easy to discuss. Um, there's still the same stereotype about who we are, what we offer, the service we provide. So there's a lot of stereotypes to debunk and providing a lot of um, comfort and answers for people. So really understanding the, the, the psyche of the consumers, uh, making them feel comfortable and um, bringing to life not just a store, but really more of a wellness community experience to life and uh, making it this uh, non-judgmental zone um, where people can feel comfortable asking us question and um, accessing marijuana. So can, can you give us an overview of Maine's medical cannabis program and explain what sets it apart from other states that led to its top ranking by the advocacy organization Americans for Safe Access? Sure. Um, I think what sets Maine apart is we were one of the pioneering states um, now, you know, every year there's multiple states coming online, whether with medical programs or even recreational. But um, Maine started in the late 1990s, you know, in 1998, having the first referendum 
when it comes to uh, medical marijuana for patients. And the system as we know it now uh, that brought to life the dispensaries um, was uh, passed, this referendum was passed in 2009. So I think what sets us apart is really this pioneering spirit and this desire to um, provide access to an alternate uh, form of care uh, via marijuana. Uh, one of the differentiating factor from Maine um, is is the fact that it's a, a system that is set with two type of providers. You know, dispensaries on one side. Um, there's eight state licensed dispensaries, and um, next to it, um, there's over three thousand caregivers, which by design are uh, meant to uh, care for a smaller group um, of uh, individuals. So. Not all states offer this uh, caregiver model, and I think that's something that uh, sets us apart and also uh, provides the um, needed access because Maine is such a vast state that guarantees that everybody can access uh, geographically uh, medical cannabis. I, I think also one the, the reason why it was ranked so high by American for Safe Access was the, the, the tight regulation and system um, from the onset and the care about making sure this was done right um, um, was really important right from the get-go. And so as a, as a dispensary, you know, you said that there's this two, you know, sort of separate, there's the, the dispensaries and then there's the caregivers. How, what is your role um, in, in that system. And, and by that, I mean, you know, how closely do you work with uh, caregivers in the, in the state? Um, we are always, uh, you know, I think in a, in a nascent industry, uh, we really need to work at um, building professional networks and collaboration. The, the main system by its design makes it a little challenging for us to collaborate with caregivers uh, in the sense that we cannot openly buy from each other. There's no wholesale system, if you will. Um, so it's built in silos, so it's difficult for us to collaborate, but there's a lot of, um, you know, in the recent years, there's much more collaboration with caregivers uh, than there used to be in the past. So I think it's one very positive development of, um, you know, adult youth coming into line is all of us uh, stakeholders in the industry and in the future of what uh, the recreational market would look like has opened and enabled a lot more collaboration between all the stakeholders. So, so with these, you know, this, the, as you said, the, the, the slow increased collaboration and uh, sort of the, the, outstanding nature of Maine's program. Is there any improvements that you, that, that advocates and, and the people in the industry are looking for in Maine? Well, I think the biggest improvement that we're looking at um, as a market in general is creating a, a leveled playing field for all of us to participate and be successful at it uh, while providing um, a wider access to to cannabis. Um, and I think the best vehicle for this is the implementation of adult use. You know, um, uh, the referendum that was passed in 2009, we can keep every year trying to place, you know, legislation that would fix one thing and another, but it's, um, 
uh, it, it takes a long time to fix uh, a bill that was passed. So uh, really adult use could be this avenue by which, um, you know, and I think that was one of the key learning from Colorado. It's it's really important to um, to not view uh, the, the cannabis market as, you know, silos and, and break down the silos and integrate right, right from the get-go adult use and medical and make sure there's a lot of harmonization between all the policies and the opportunities on each side. So I think that's the biggest thing we're looking forward is to have um, this integrated or harmonized market um, start to develop in name. So we're we're definitely gonna gonna get into the adult use stuff a little bit later. Um, but before we do that, um, I got I got to ask you. I, I read that PTSD ranks first among the conditions that your patients uh, are granted access to the state medical cannabis program, and and. I mean, this is I've I've spoken to to veterans. I've, I've spoken to a lot of uh, people who, you know, we we discussed the PTSD thing, but but I've never directly spoken to any patients or anything like that. Can you sort of give me and in the audience an idea of how medical cannabis helps patients with PTSD? Sure. So uh, first PTSD, you know, when it was, it became an um, accepted condition in 2013, um, I was expecting just veterans who are often you, you associate PTSD with veterans. What we discovered is that there's also, interestingly enough, another audience uh, under the PTSD umbrella, which unfortunately is uh, women uh, and victim from domestic violence. Um, so that was something we didn't really expect. Um, but um, nevertheless, whatever the origin of uh, the trauma is, um, it, it's still something that, uh, you know, we provide a lot of relief uh, when it comes to um, appeasing the, ins- the anxiety, the insomnia, providing, um, you know, one, one gentleman who's with us since we opened, uh, his PTSD was so profound that he could not sleep more than two hours at a time. So, um Working with them and identifying the the a, a daily regimen uh, via medical cannabis is is definitely help him to have um, real nights uh, or at least to extend that to four to six hours, which for him is um, unbelievable progress and 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 also reducing his overall anxiety. The the way we work with each patient, whether it's PTSD or uh, any other condition is really um, the relationship with we create with them, being of um, asking questions, trying things, uh, improving as we learn, um, and, and refining this very personal regimen that will tailor their specific condition. So how we do that is a lot of one-on-one conversation, but we've also done a lot of work um, in the communities with association you know, whether it's a veteran association or, um, you know, association dealing with domestic violence, we have a better understanding with people that are really focused on those conditions of how we can serve uh, folks. And I would say, you know, in everything we do in cannabis, there's not a set way of addressing uh, a condition. It's ultimately very individual uh, and, and personal. So we, we always evolve our practice um, as we serve more people. 
So I, I definitely want to talk to you about about some of your charitable uh, acts, and, and again, we, we definitely want to talk about the adult use regime. But before we do that, we got to take a break. This is the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm TG Brandfall. If you are looking for a job in the rapidly growing and highly competitive cannabis industry, Gontrepreneur.com is the place to look. Visit the Gontrepreneur job board today to browse current openings with cannabis companies throughout the United States, from entry-level bud tender positions to executive-level career opportunities. You can also create a profile and upload your resume to be discovered by cannabis recruiters. Visit our job board at jobs.gontrepreneur.com to create your profile today. If you are a business owner, you can post your job openings for as little as $25 on our job board to reach the largest and most engaged audience of cannabis professionals on the web. Companies who are listed in the Gontrepreneur Business Directory are eligible for free job listings. If you are already signed up, contact us today via the website or send us an email at grow at gontrepreneur.com to activate your unique coupon. Hey, welcome back to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast. I'm your host, TG Brandfault, here with Patricia Rossi, CEO of the Wellness Connection of Maine. Um, so you, you had mentioned briefly um, before the break, chari- you're talking about your, your sort of charitable charitable reach. You you guys provide support for a variety of organizations, uh, including the Dempsey Center for Cancer, Hope and Healing, the United Way, the Maine Coalition and Domestic Violence, uh, the Good Shepherd Food Bank, Wreaths Across America. I mean, that's that's really stunning and 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 really sort of warms my heart. You know, it, I, I don't think that you see enough of this, let alone in in one industry compared to you know just in general. But you know, why was this making these connections important to you as a CEO and and maybe for the industry at large? Uh, I think it's paramount uh, because it demonstrates. Um, you know, it's the ultimate sign that we can give our communities that um, cannabis is not what they think it is. I'm a true believer of um, cannabis being a positive stimulus to uh, communities and to life in the States. If you look at Maine, there's not a lot of um, economic stimulus or developing industries. Um, cannabis is in front of us, uh, could be a, a, a tremendous um you know, opportunity to create jobs. My company alone, you know, 80, 80 full-time jobs in, in Maine, you know, only 5% of Maine companies have more than five employees. And here I am, uh, quote unquote, selling weed with 80 employees or full-time. So being very proud of being able to, to demonstrate to, to folks in our communities that cannabis can be a positive force of change. Um, giving back, whether it's you know promoting education or helping like-minded charities, is really important. It's part of our mission. It's part of our DNA since we started. Um, it equates to about ten percent of our gross revenues, and and we give back in a lot of forms, uh, whether it's a sponsorship, um, also uh, volunteering. Uh, we've given away over uh, four hundred hours. Um, last year, uh, we also have started uh, an auspice program where we provide um, free cannabis 
for hospice uh, patients because if, if you stand, if you want cannabis to stand as something that improves quality of life, well, quality of end of life also matters, but also quality of life in your communities uh, is really important. So when we work with municipalities, we are always here to help. If a house burns down and they're raising funds, we're here. If if you need to, to clean a trail, our staff will be there and so on and so forth. I think it, it's very important that our industry, as we get more professional and, and a little more um, mainstream, becomes really um, regular player in our communities. So, so, you know, you mentioned that your staffs, you know, will, will help clean trails and, and participate in, in these charitable acts. Is, is that something, you know, that you look for in your staff, you know, what, what, during the hiring process, is that something that's brought up to them? What do you look for in employees? Oh, what do I look for in employees? I look for um, passion, professionalism, um, and um, people and, and loyalty. Um, you know, it's, it's hard in this industry to to um, get the right talent. Some people think it's going to be much easier than the reality is. You know, it's, it's an, in, uh, working in the cannabis industry um, is an adventure. You know, I always joke that I don't have a job, but it's an ever ongoing adventure because that's the reality of it. Um, policy change, everything changes on you at any point. So you need to have resilience, drive, um, and also uh, professionalism. Um, I'm blessed to have a great team of um, experts surrounding me, whether it's cultivation or dispensary service. And um, it's important to get people that share the same vision and common ground. So um, it is, you know, it is uh, understood that if anybody joins the company, then we will all participate um, in those uh, community giving acts. Actually, I'm really proud of my team because um, for this holiday season, we are uh, we are adopting a, a family, and I think this um, family all together will be uh, totally overwhelmed by the amount of uh, gifts. We just took a photo in the office here. Um, it's incredible uh, how everybody has gone above and beyond what had been assigned to them for a purchase. So I'm really really proud of all my staff and us as a company uh, and our willingness to to give back. I mean that's that's a passion point of mine, but also of wellness connection. That's a, that's a really incredible story. I had no idea you guys uh, were doing that this year. Uh, you know, th- I mean, thank you on behalf of, of, an, of, you know, sort of somebody who, you know, is plugged into this industry and, and really likes seeing uh, people, you know, helping out the community. Um, I, I want to talk to you about adult use. We got to take a break. This is the Gontrepreneur.com podcast, TG Brandfall. At Gontrepreneur, we have heard from dozens of cannabis business owners who have encountered the issue of cannabis, which is when a mainstream business, whether a landlord, bank, or some other provider of vital business services, refuses to do business with them simply because of their association with cannabis. We have even heard stories of businesses being unable to provide health and life insurance for their employees because the insurance providers were too afraid to work with them. We believe that this fear is totally unreasonable and that cannabis business owners deserve access to the same services and resources that other businesses are afforded, that they should be able to hire consultation to help them follow the letter of the law in their business endeavors, and that they should be able to provide employee benefits without needing to compromise on the quality of coverage they can offer. 
This is why we created the Gondrepreneur.com Business Service Directory, a resource for cannabis professionals to find and connect with service providers who are cannabis friendly and who are actively seeking cannabis industry clients. If you are considering hiring a business consultant, lawyer, accountant, web designer, or any other ancillary service for your business, go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to browse hundreds of agencies, firms, and organizations who support cannabis legalization and who want to help you grow your business. With so many options to choose from in each service category, you will be able to browse company profiles and do research on multiple companies in advance so you can find the provider who is the best fit for your particular need. Our business service directory is intended to be a useful and well-maintained resource, which is why we individually vet each listing that is submitted. If you are a business service provider who wants to work with cannabis clients, you may be a good fit for our service directory. Go to gondrepreneur.com businesses to create your profile and start connecting with cannabis entrepreneurs today. Hey, welcome back to the Godrepreneur.com podcast. I'm TG Brandfall with Patricia Rossi, CEO of the Wellness Connection of Maine. So I got to talk to you about adult use. Um, you know, I, I was super pumped when when I, I when you guys voted to legalize cannabis for adults. Uh, some of the programs already rolled out, such as the homegrown provisions and uh, the personal possession provisions, um, but. Paula Page has basically blocked the program from being rolled out. So from an industry point of view, um, what has what has been your opinion, your sort of feeling on this whole process from the time that they legalize until where we're at, where we are at right now? I share your frustration. Uh, you know, it's where uh, you're into it. And, and the only thing that has really happen and unfolding in our communities are confusion. A massive state of confusion for everybody. Um, the referendum, as you said, you know, late um, January this year, um, they allowed for use, possession, transportation, and gifting, which is important. Um, and they put a moratorium on licensing so what it's created is an explosion of demand without a set uh, license supply um, channel, if you will. So this is, um, I think, not sound, uh, not a sound environment uh, because everybody got really confused when it comes to, uh, you know, I'm a medical patient. Do I need a certification anymore? Providers were thinking, medical providers were thinking, do I even need to certify people? And oh, but it's okay. Now I can buy a t-shirt and be gifted an ounce with it. And there's all those, um, this uh, entrepreneur creativity that happened on the fringe um, and created a very um, uh, explosive, uh, unregulated market, which I don't think is a sound um, way to implement adult use. Um, the, the legislative uh, created this committee um, uh, the Marijuana Legalization Implementation Committee that has spent, and I, and I give it to them and I commend them for the time they spent learning about the industry, doing a lot of public hearings for seven months. They met every week, multiple times a week at times, um, hearing everybody, bringing a draft of what they saw as a comprehensive way of bringing adult use um, 
to uh, to reality. And of course, it's not perfect, but is any piece of law ever perfect? And um, you know, the governor had some some good points. Uh, one being, you know, the the program medical and adult use should be harmonized, but the timing of his decision um, is very frustrating because now nothing is happening. Now rumblings are that um, when the session resumes early January, they might consider extending the moratorium yet again for another year. So um, that makes for an environment which is... Hold on. My phone is ringing. Sorry about that. Um... So what was I saying? Yeah, so that makes for, you know, potentially yet another year of confusion and turmoil and, um, <clears throat> you know, all these uh, interesting gifting um, approach um, that are happening everywhere surrounding us. And one more year of that, you know, I'm interested to see, okay, well, if now adult use is in 2019, how are they going to put the genie back in the bottle and, and, and put order to this uh I think this could have been done differently. Um, there could have been some sort of intermeasure or market or early transition that could have been created, leveraging the the, the, the medical known license players and uh, starting to generate revenue and taxation, so that then you can have you know funds to do it differently. But as of now, everything is um, frozen in paralysis. So I think. Um, all of us stakeholders are pretty much collectively frustrated with this uh, process. So you had mentioned that uh, LePage had said that he was looking for a marriage of both the rec and the medical cannabis industries. Um, What are you sort of looking for in the regulations when they're finally approved? Well, there's a lot of, um, for instance, another an example of harmonization as of now under the medical rules, there's no uh, packaging regulation. There's no, there's some um, kernel of quality control, but there's no testing, but there's some in medical. So all of this should be part of um, the both sides of the equation because quality control, public safety are very important elements. Uh, Taxation um, is another part of, you know, how how making or doing the, the success of the industry. There's a lot of things like that that should be considered. And they were a beginning, you know, in the omnibus bill um, that was put forth by this implementation committee, there, there was definitely an attempt at doing that and clarifying a lot of um, those points. Did that committee look for industry input or... or- you know, did, did you did the industry have any say in in those rules? Well, we were part of uh, all the public hearings. Uh, we've all hosted um, uh, all stakeholders have hosted you know visits uh, of our different facilities for um, to make sure that the education was comprehensive of all perspective. Uh, there was really pretty much a public hearing every week. So we've had, we've had input, we've been able to express um, con- concerns, bring input, uh, offer solutions, um, you know, so we've been heard. Some, some made it in the final bill, some didn't because that's the way it goes, right? So again, no bill is always perfect for all stakeholders, but there was definitely a, a collaborative process that was implemented. And that's why we were all so disappointed in all the way at the end when we were not able to override the veto. 
So when you're in in your dealings with with these these lawmakers, have they generally been open to recreational? I know I know that it, it was a narrow passage there. Um and and is LePage really that that sticking point right now, that that giant hurdle that needs to be overcome? Um yeah, I mean, for something for um, the implementation plan to get fast tracked, yes, the the biggest hurdle would be, um, you know, the administration and some of the the Republican um, faction. When it comes to working with the committee, it's it's always the same path or pattern that you see. Um, when you when you talk to anybody about cannabis, you know the conversation starts with a lot of assumptions, um, stereotypes, uh, and then uh, really bringing uh, more facts or more reality uh, to answer or debunk those stereotypes, and then you can have really a, a more educated conversation, if you will. So there's always this you know initial phase, which is uh, always. Um, a little bit awkward, but people have reservation about implementing adult use, and I I understand why. I mean, the last time this happened was uh, prohibition um, with alcohol, so it's not a process that everybody's familiar with. Um, there's a lot of uh, myth. There's a lot of reality. There's a lot of different levels too. I mean, the, the way licenses would be awarded in in Maine, there would be a, a pre-approval, if you will, from the state, and then a final approval from municipalities. So there was a great deal of involvement from various municipalities about how how do I even deal with that. So there's so many questions not being answered as of now that that creates reservation and limitation. But that's also um, you know that's that comes in there with pushing society into accepting thing something that is not necessarily um easy to accept or that doesn't federate everybody right so i think it's it's part of our mission um when you're in the industry you're not just running a company or you're not just producing things it's also changing the being an actor of social change and acceptance so having a lot of educated conversation with all those various stakeholders really understanding their perspective and having an uh, informed conversation um about about the topic, you know, not trying to convert them necessarily to our point of view, but bring more uh, um, um, facts uh, to help them process. How, how much of your time over the last, you know, year have you spent debunking myths in front of lawmakers? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got a sense that I spent a lot of time over there in Augusta, Maine. Um, a lot. Um, a lot. I live it at that. So, so um, I, I'm gonna. I, I want to wrap this up. I, this has really been awesome to to chat with you. Um, but I, I got to ask you, uh, what what advice do you have? You know, you have a you have a background, a very diverse background, than, than a lot of people who come into this space. I've I've talked to, you know, people in the backgrounds real estate or the backgrounds finance, and there's very few people that I've talked to that are from a marketing sort of background that didn't end up in just marketing for the cannabis industry. So what's your advice for people, entrepreneurs, maybe who have a background that might not on the surface sort of fit in this industry, um, what's, what's your advice for them if they were looking to get involved in the cannabis space? 
Oh my god, where to start? Um, you need to to be passionate about it because it's not just as simple as opening a store. Um, you need to be really passionate and motivated uh, by it, by either social change or or canvas or. But it it takes some resilience and it's not a walk in the park. I think it's it's like uh, operating a startup on steroids. Um, Make sure you find the right financial partners. Surround yourself with a team you can trust of experts and, uh, and, and be ready for an adventure, you know, um, and, and also understand the responsibilities that come with it. You know, operating a cannabis um, company uh, puts a lot of projectors or puts you in the, in the spotlights more often than not. So uh, be ready to, to model and uh, demonstrate what we can all collectively do and, and, and try to see beyond just, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to open a little store here, but think about um, influence and impact in communities. I think it's really important to, to make a difference. And where can people find out more about uh, you, the, the Wellness Connection of Maine, and you know, sort of what you guys have, have going on? So we have a, a website at mainwellness.org. If people have thoughts or questions, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, on our website on mainwellness.org, you can also find um, there's a contact info line. So um, they can use that. And we're also very active on all social media. So if you want to know what's going on, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, we're there. Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Um, you're you're a wealth, a fountain of knowledge, and you know it's it's really great to you know get get somebody from the East Coast uh, who, who's got their finger on the pulse of that market. So thank thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. That was a, that was a lot of fun. Feel free to reach out if you have any more questions, and have a great time in uh, I'll. I'll I'll swing by when I'm driving, when yeah, I'm driving sure through Maine. Yeah, make sure to stop by. Absolutely. You can find more episodes of the Gontrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gontrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gontrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gontrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfault. <laughs>